Yo, what is up, everybody? It is time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, Jim Cross. And Jim, Randy's off tonight, but that's not going to keep us away from having the biggest interview in podcasting this week. We got episode 14 coming at you, titled Model of Perseverance, because we got the man, we got LSU star, we got New York Met prospect Paul Gervais joining us. But before Paul joins us, Jim, I am going to go to you. Big weekend for you, man. Did a lot of traveling, got a lot of games in, man. Tell me about it. I mean, speaking of LSU, you know, I went down to Baton Rouge on Saturday night. I was not optimistic. I will not lie on this podcast. Anybody who heard me will tell you I did pick them, but I picked them only because I wasn't going to pick against my team. Um, they got it done, Daniel. Death Valley was rocking Saturday night. Loved it. Got to tailgate with the baseball dads since we're doing an LSU baseball episode, kind of. So uh, it was really good to get to see those people. Got to meet Tommy White, Daniel. I'm absolutely fired up about next season. But this isn't about this upcoming season. This is about Paul. So let's get it on. All right, man. Help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week, our man, New York Met prospect Paul Gervais. All right, Paul, my man. Finally, we got you on the show. How are we doing tonight? Good. How are you guys doing? We are blessed because we get to talk to the man himself. We get to get the journey. We get to get the story. And we get to talk all things baseball, which I don't know if you know much about this podcast. We, we're we big into baseball these days, man. We're, we're um, obviously lucky that we get to interview all kinds of ath- athletes and, and guests. Um, but I will say, you know, we're, we're, we got back to back baseball episodes. So that's, that's kind of where our groove is, dude. So, um, with that, I'll jump into, you know, you a little bit, man, you're, you're six ten, man. Obviously that that's, that's big. That's, that's a, that's a lot of length. That's a lot of like cutting the distance to the plate. That's, that's just a lot, man. Do people mistake you? Because I know I would. If I didn't know you or, or know anything about you, I would have just assumed you're a basketball player. Do people make that assumption about you all the time? Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> Multiple times per day. That's for sure. But can you hoop, I guess, is the thing. Well, yeah, I'm nice. <laughs> for can, sure. can, can you dunk it a little bit? Yeah, yeah, just a little. <laughs> little he probably yeah. didn't got jumped, Daniel. <laughs> um, probably not, man. It, you know, we, we joke all the time. We, you know, we have you know, athletes come on and you guys are like, when it comes to athletic prowess, we just ask, could you just share a little bit with us regular folk? I mean, you, you don't need to be six ten. You could be like six, nine. You could give Jim a half an inch, me a half an inch would be good, man. <laughs> if it works. Nah, I, need, I need a full, I need a full inch, Daniel. I want to be six foot, bro. I don't want to be five, <laughs> 11 and a half. I, I hear you. Don't we all, man? Don't we all? But, you know, when it comes to long, you know, long pitchers, 6'10", when you start getting up there to that height, 
there's got to be comparisons to Randy Johnson. Do you get those type of comparisons? Oh, yeah, I hear that all the time. Uh, if I can be half as good as Randy Johnson, then, then I'll have a very, very fun and exciting life. But, uh, yeah, I hear that all the time. Randy what Johnson's it, obviously one of the best pitchers ever. So not yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't we all, man? And, and the thing is, is, like, the, the first time I, I saw you pitch, I said, man, that looks like Randy J. That's that's for that's Randy J out there. And Jim was like, nah, that's that's Paul and and he's his own guy, man. So don't even don't even put him in that comparison yet. Cause um, you know, and, and as I watched you you grow and develop, man, and you are, you're your own guy. I mean, obviously the the height is is Randy Johnson and and there are probably some other similarities, but you are your own dude on that mound and you get after it, man. Um with with Randy Johnson being the 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 closest comparison that a lot of people can make, um, do what do you think about the big unit as a nickname? Is is that is that a good one? I feel like it is. I feel like that's a pretty pretty defining nickname to have. Yeah, I mean, having a a nickname like that, I think is really cool because well, not only like anytime you hear the big unit, like everybody knows who you're talking about. Like there's no mistake in anyone else for that. So I think if any nickname that is distinguishable, it's the way you just know that person as soon as you hear the nickname. <laughs> That's gotta be a pretty good one. Do you have a nickname that you're like, man, I hope I make it big and like that's what people recognize me as? <laughs> not, no, not really. I'm sure someone will probably come up with one at some point. But it's, it's like I, I mean, I just hear all the tall ones, tall, tall, poly G. Holly uh, G's the one I hear. I like that one. Yeah, oh. that's the one I hear the most. The 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 big flow, man. Look at that flow, man. For <laughs> we 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 put this thing on on YouTube. We got some video going up, and people are gonna people are gonna rank your flow up there with some of the best of them. As a matter of fact, Hunter Elliott is our next guest. We're gonna have back to back flow. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'll tell Hunter he's he's got to bring his his flow game. Um, on Wednesday because you you you've definitely brought it. You got a nice little set of neck curtains to go behind that that hair, man. I, I like it, dude. I appreciate um, it. Yeah, but but Paul, we didn't we didn't come here to talk about flow. We came here to talk about you get your story, man. So let's let's go back to the beginning. Talk to me a little bit about where are you from? Um from Cupavarina, North Carolina. It's a small town about 45 minutes outside of Raleigh. And mm. uh yeah, it's just basically where I've grown up my whole life. North Carolina, going to raise up. Take your shirt off. <laughs> Twist it around your head like a helicopter. You heard that song? No, I have not. That well, song is before uh, he was born, Daniel. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need you to go look up Petey Pablo. And that's, that's <laughs> right. you, you'll, you'll see it. it. It's all about North Carolina. But, man, obviously family dynamics. You're the oldest of four siblings. You got to. Little brother Will, who's a who's a college pitcher. Um, tell me about the competition. Obviously, if you if you have four siblings, there's gotta be a lot of heated competition going on in that house growing up, right? Yeah, I have I have three, three younger siblings. Not four, three. Oh, three. Excuse me. Yeah. So e either way, I'm I'm sure it's <laughs> there's it, a lot it, of competition. It gets heated. Oh yeah. Um uh, so what what about it growing up? Like I, I had an older sister, Jim had an older sister. So it's it's a little bit different for us, but you know, given the fact that the the competition is so heated with all you guys, what was it like? Everything is a competition. Like, 
eating your breakfast the fastest as a competition, getting dressed and ready as a competition. Like, is every little thing a competition? It's got to be, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I got two younger brothers and a younger sister. Me and Will, Will's uh, 20 now. So me and him are two years apart our whole lives. So we would throw together. We'd wake up, stop for school. First one downstairs wins. Like, you know, all these races down the stairs, race up the stairs when it's time to go to bed. Uh, basically every little thing we would invent our own game with our cousins who live right down the road. Uh, just all these little different things that we could do, but we always made it a competition. Do you think little things like that growing up, like made a difference in who you are today? Or do you think oh. you would have, you would have been the same without any sibling? Oh no, it definitely did. I, I don't even think it, I wouldn't be close to here if I didn't have siblings. Will, especially Will's been my throw partner since we both started playing baseball we just made each other i think not only in sports but also in life like i can go talk to him whenever i need anything I, he can talk to me we can discuss literally anything he's the one person i know i can tell anything to uh, at any moment so i was very blessed to have siblings for sure so obviously we mentioned the height we talked about you know being mistaken for a basketball player but did you play basketball growing up or any other sports growing up or was it just baseball uh i played basketball growing up like rec basketball i didn't really hit a growth spurt until high school so it was i was never really took it seriously uh i was decent i guess i just played rec but i took so at what point do you go Obviously, when you're growing up, you don't hit, you, you just mentioned that you don't hit this growth spurt until about high school, but was there a time prior to high school where you go, man, like, I, I got a little bit of, of talent here, I got something, or were you just like, you know, and we've had some guys come on here and they say, you know, I was just an average kid, it wasn't until I was 14 or 15 or even summer, like, you know, it wasn't until my junior year of high school where I became something. Uh, dude, I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't really become something until about two years ago. <laughs> so, I was a pretty average high school baseball player, man. Uh, I don't know. Like, I grew up, I was always, like, middle of the pack on travel ball teams. I got to high school, did my two years on junior varsity and two years on varsity. And after after I, I finished my senior year, man, I'm telling you, I didn't have one offer. So I was coming to baseball. I was ready to hang it up and accept it, although I didn't want to. But, uh, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into all that later, but no, I was never that guy growing up. Yeah, man, do, doing the research, I came across a clip. I want to play it for you. If we're going to keep spending all this money for you to go to this school, it's going to be, you're going to have to work hard. I'm not going to watch you sit on the bench. And I was like, you know, that's fair. That makes sense. So that whole summer, I just dedicated the whole summer to just getting better and throwing harder. And I went from 85 to like 92 in three months. And uh, it's kind of like something clicked. I worked with uh, this guy back home, Brandon Young. So that that was you talking about exactly what you just mentioned. You know, you didn't become what you would consider, you know, above average until a couple of years ago. Um, obviously, you, you mentioned you were talking about your dad wanting to invest money and time into something where you needed to dedicate more to it. So you did, you did just that. You kind of revamped everything you did and you dedicated your time to baseball and to getting better. And you made this unbelievable, like jump up until to low nineties throwing. And obviously that was probably where, where it started, but in high school, was there, 
you know what let's start with this where did you go to high school because i got i, I got go. i got so many many questions about this it, it it this baffles me a little bit so where did you go to high school i went to harnett central high school in andrew north carolina so most guys in high school they kind of realize i i got a little something you know i can take this to the next level where you were you that type of person where you knew you had the stuff or do you, you just believe like in yourself enough to go, I can compete at that level. I don't know if I have the right stuff for that level, but I can definitely go out and try to compete. Oh yeah. My competitive fire. I don't think was ever really a question. I always wanted to go out there and compete and be as good as I can, but I didn't put it, I didn't, uh, I would say I didn't want to put in enough work off the field or uh, when people weren't looking or, uh, just like in my own time, I, I felt like I was just I was just coasting on. I mean, I was a pretty good athlete naturally. I was tall, obviously, had an okay arm, nothing like crazy above average. But I think I just I was I didn't want it. Like I said, I wanted it, but like you know, what they always say, actions speak louder than words. And my actions definitely did say that I wanted it. So I mean, as a kid, if you're if you're saying you want it, but like you're not actually, the actions aren't meeting what you're saying was there a reason why do you think looking back on it or was it like fear maybe like or was it just you just actually had to buy in and commit to it yeah that's what i think it was definitely i, I didn't really ever buy in i think that's what i needed to do i, I always thought yeah i'll play in college yeah i'll be a major league like people always ask you what do you want to be when you grow up when you're a kid you always grow up yeah i want to play in major league my my story my freshman year i was we had to write a paper on what we want to do when I grow up. And I wrote that I wanted to be a professional baseball player. And I'm on JD, like not even starting. Like my English teacher reads it and she's like involved in the athletic department. She goes, you need to redo this. Like, this is not realistic. Oh man. What did you do with that paper? Uh, I think that one, at that time I was like, I've always had the same monotone when I was five years old. Oh, what do you want to be? Oh, I want to be major league. I don't know if I believed it then, but it was definitely the easiest thing for me to write about because I've always known a lot about baseball. So, uh, I mean, would you, easy, but. what would you say to that teacher that wrote that on your paper <laughs> to be more realistic if you could see them now or have I'd you? Say I would say thank you. <laughs> thank you for helping motivate me. Thank you for helping me to always remember that quote. People tell every time someone tells you not good enough, that should never, ever forbid you or like hurt your grind or what you work for that should always motivate you to be better and if other people's words can just get to you like that you're probably in the wrong profession so being that you saw yourself in the big leagues there's got to be like a player you look to like you looked up to who who was your favorite player uh, justin verlander has been my favorite player since i was six years old my dad from detroit uh so i've been a tigers fan my whole life up until about a month and a half ago uh but yeah, so Justin Verlander's always been that guy for me, and he always goes out there so much fire. He wants the ball every time. He'll throw you like back in the prime, he's throwing 120, 130 pitches in the playoffs, trying to help his team win. So I'm all about just doing whatever I can to help my team win. So he was, he always like motivated me and like that competitive fire. So I've always admired. Paul, I I heard of that guy. He I heard he's pretty good, that Verlander <laughs> yeah. guy. To now, this day. Um. You know, we, we noticed, you know, your senior stats, you worked 29 innings, you posted 25 strikeouts, you had a 2.39 ERA. You also batted 3.26. You were not just a, a 
pitcher only, but you could you could swing the stick a little bit, man. Talk to us about your high school career um, and what was it like playing both ways and what was the transition like knowing like were you going to try to play both, you know, or were you going to try to hit and pitch moving to the next level or did you think at some point you're going to have to pick one or the other? I mean, yeah, going through high school, I was always like, we didn't have enough kids at school to, <laughs> or enough good baseball players for people to only pitch or only hit. So pretty much everyone it was like a two way. I hit, I hit 326 my senior year, but my junior year, I was one for 18. I had one hit. It was a blooper against Southeast Raleigh High School. And my senior year, yeah, I had a good average. I only had one double. I didn't have any extra base hits other than that. Uh, so I pretty much figured if I was going to go to college, it wasn't going to be for hitting. Hey, man, them, them hits in the stat book all look the same, man. Oh, that's exactly right. They all look the same. Um, so obviously, you know, you you have a, a a good enough you know see, you know you, I think you downplay how good you actually were, um, you know I've I've heard lots of interviews and and you say exactly what you told us you didn't really start seeing this growth until a couple of years ago but obviously you know you have offers you get Pfeiffer to reach out to you and that's where you ultimately chose to go but why did you choose them? Honestly, because they were the only school that offered me a roster spot. <laughs> I didn't have any other options. That's why I chose them. Hey, I it mean. that or retire. So I, I chose to go walk on there. Uh, it, it looks like you, you made the right choice, given <laughs> given the, the seat that you sit in today. Yeah, yeah Dang, I Daniel, I think there's something to that, man. I mean, we've we mentioned past guests when we talk about baseball, like like a Houston Harding who Itawamba, who he had never heard of, community college was the only one that reached out. And Paul, you're one of 20 guys who only got that one offer, and it was you know a small a small school, and you know it's amazing how you know Daniel's told me this. You know, Daniel used to be a scout evaluator, and you know a baseball coach and it's amazing how guys can get missed. I mean, it, it really is. Um, and so, you know, uh, luckily, you know, you were seen somewhere and were given an opportunity, but you had very limited time there at Pfeiffer before you ended up at Wake Tech. So how did that like become a decision? Oh yeah. So I went to Pfeiffer for my freshman year. Uh, met a lot of great people. had a lot of fun there. Uh, but that freshman year, I was still like low below, like 84, 85. Uh, I'm sure Jessica, I mean, I was a pretty average season, like four something ERA. Uh, I think I had like 19 innings. Uh, but yeah, that was the summer where my dad was like, hey, like, you're not, you're not on scholarship here. Like, I'm, I'm paying the bill. Like, I'm not paying to watch you sit on the bench. And uh, so he really pushed me that summer to work my butt off. And uh, with these guys that I still work with to this day, Brandon Young, where uh, they've really helped me with my mechanics and velocity. Uh, and that summer, like, like you guys said earlier, I went from 85 to 92 in like two and a half months. And I uh, went back to Pfeiffer actually for that fall semester. And uh, we had our pro scout day on like the fourth week, I think, of the year or something like that. And uh, a bunch of my teammates didn't really know that I made like the jump that I did. And uh, I was the first one that went and uh, was like 90, 92 the whole time. Touching, I think I touched the three there. And they were all like freaking out, like how, how did all this happen? And then, uh, so that off season, I was, or that fall season, I realized that 
my dream is to actually play professional baseball or high level division one baseball, like it's going to be really difficult to do from this level. Uh, so that's why I made the move to Wigtip. Daniel, that's really funny when you hear him say that, because like, imagine you, your, your teammate, you're like, man, Polly G, he, he ain't throwing nothing. They step into the box thinking they know what you got. And then next thing you know, you're throwing in the nineties and they weren't expecting it. It's like, Whoa. Like the same cat. Step back. <laughs> yeah, could, could you imagine the 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 teams with the you know obviously with scouting you the previous year and then you step and toe the rubber the next year and they're like this ain't the same dude hold up now like but, but it's amazing what coaches will do because even you know we mentioned some low the uh, you know guys who had lower schools but even a guy like when we had Dolander on here and talked about the coaching that he got from um georgia southern to tennessee and the jump he made so it really just shows if you can get the right coaching and you have the tools for those coaches to work with which you clearly have paul what can happen man and i gotta i gotta ask because my my brain is is spinning right now man was it mechanical things that you did or was it strengthening things that you did what was it that you say would say is the one big thing that you know made this this big jump well uh, honestly it was a little bit of both. uh i wasn't like i never really worked out a lot or like worked hard like with my body even though like you guys see me pitch like i'm not exactly the biggest strongest guy but i think just like i started throwing more consistently like a throwing program i used to throw like up here like over the top and now i throw like on sidearm I dropped a lot a little bit and it just felt more smooth. Like I got into more of a rhythm. And then uh, every day, like I said before, my dad made me run 10 sprints in the morning up the giant hill in our neighborhood, 10 sprints at night every day that whole summer. I still do it when I go home and run that hill. And uh, just doing that and then retooling my mechanics with Brandon and Chris uh, back home. It was a little bit of both and they definitely both helped me out a lot. I owe them a lot. Yeah, so, you know, you're making this transition. You're continuing to grow. You're continuing to get better, but you're not done because, you know, you, you go to Wake Tech. You, uh, you have eight appearances there, but, you know, here we are again. Now you're moving to Pitt Community, you know, so why, why are we on the move again? Uh, well, Wake Tech, <laughs> you're looking at my stats. Uh, you could have mentioned that. I think my ERA was like 11. No, I wasn't going to do that to you. Paul, <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, but she was the velo jump. The control part didn't come with uh, – so I think I had more walks than any stitch, hit some guys. I never really was in tune. Like I was throwing hard, but I would get like timid when I go up there on the mound. That was the first time I started seeing professional scouts. With the radar goes by, I'd be like, oh, I have to throw as hard as I can. And then I was walking dudes, hitting dudes. I never really had a rhythm. And then, so that was the 2020, and uh, that was the COVID year. So when COVID hit, stopped the season in the middle. Thank God, honestly, for me, like COVID hurt a lot of people, but COVID <laughs> saved, saved my baseball career because uh, the junior NJCAA announced that uh, we were going to get a year of eligibility back. So it's my third year, but I can go back and play another year of junior college. And uh, so basically that whole summer into the winter, I just worked on my control. Like we're in quarantine, so I'm just working on location, location, location with everything. And uh, back in the fall, I was going to go, I went, I was at Wake Tech again in the fall. And uh, the coach told me, hey, we don't know if we're going to have the budget to have a season like We'd obviously love to, love to have you here, but, like, we just don't know what's going to happen. And I was like, cool, but, like, I'm not taking that risk. So that's how I ended up at Pitt Community College, which is one of the best decisions I've ever made. Paul, I'll be honest with you. We've probably had 
I'd say over a hundred baseball guests on this show. You would be the first one that said they enjoyed that COVID happened. <laughs> you, you, you are that guy. Um, but Hey, it, it had to work out for somebody. So, you know, uh, one of the things I read about before we get into pit community, you know, uh, obviously there was a clip, you know, talking about your dad helping you out, but um, you know, I read multiple articles and interviews about, man, you were working the whole time as a server um, through yeah. that to help pay your way. So first of all, I want to respect your grind um, to be able to work and, and play ball um, because you had a dream that you were working towards. Um, but man, what was, what was that like? Because, you know, a lot of athletes don't, have to do that and don't know what that's like yeah my dad's preached as a little kid like it's hard work like you're not just gonna sit around the house all summer like you're gonna get a job you're gonna if you want to go have fun with your friends like that's all cool but like i'm not just gonna be shoveling out money for you to go have fun so i was like yeah, i respect that me and my brother my brother worked at panera bread and i worked at olive garden uh i was a server there that whole time during covid i think it was from like july until uh December, I worked at the local Olive Garden near my house. And then when I transferred to Pitt, I actually worked at the Olive Garden in Greenville, North Carolina, which is where Pitt was, until literally the day after uh, day after I committed to LSU. It was actually my last day at Olive Garden. <laughs> Dude, that is awesome. I, like I said, I, I love it and I respect the grind. Uh, some people just don't even know what you're – which you were willing to do. But with that, man, so you get to pick community in it and it finally starts to come together, man. You have 14 appearances, uh, 21.2 innings pitched, 35 strikeouts, just allowing 11 hits recorded, a 1.66 ERA, received honorable mention for JUCO All-American. So, I mean, um, you finally hit that stride. You know, all that work that you've been putting in um, came to. So with that, man, how does LSU come into the picture? Oh, it's crazy how all that works. Uh, so the first thing I, time I blew up was my second appearance of the season. We're getting beat like 13 to eight in a midweek game, junior college. And I need to get some work. Coach puts me out there and I struck out the side on 10 pitches. I threw all five balls and I was 94 to 96 and touched 97. And that was like, before that, I'd never thrown harder than 95. So I, <laughs> after the game, I get all these texts and calls from schools and scouts and stuff like that. They're like, Hey, like, we had you up to 97, like, da 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 And I'm like, what? Like, what the heck? All my teammates are freaking out. <laughs> so a bunch of, like, it started slow. Like, lower-level schools started calling me um, just with some interest. And then uh, I emailed Alan Dunn at LSU randomly, like, sometime in March. I was having a really good year. So I was like, yeah, maybe, like I'd love to go to LSU. Like, it's a great spot. I actually – I've said this before. I emailed uh, – probably 150 different division one schools uh, that whole year during that spring. And um, LSU was like one of like five probably that hit me back, that hit me back from my emails. And uh, I just started talking to Alan, Coach Dunn. I knew that I really liked LSU and like the culture they built there. Obviously the prestige is all the national championships is really cool, but uh, just, I loved everything I heard about LSU. Uh, and then Coach Mary offered me a scholarship that April. And so for me, it was between LSU and Oregon State. And uh, I chose LSU because also, I want to throw this in. My brother's actually getting recruited in junior college right now, but not one Division one school in the state of North Carolina offered me a scholarship. Mm. They, they didn't learn their lesson, huh? About <laughs> no. these Gervais kids, right man, they, they, they're late bloomers. I mean, that's. Yeah. 
And what makes this story even better, Daniel, is, you know, hearing him talk about the opportunity at LSU because it was similar to Eric Razelman's. You know, he didn't think that he had a chance, but LSU was somewhere he wanted to go. And obviously, y'all ended up teammates coming in there together. So, like, um, that's just really cool for both of y'all. So, you know, you talk about – we talk about North Carolina. We talk about community college. And you talked about the prestige of LSU. Now that you're there at this point, are you more nervous or excited? Uh, when I got to LSU, I would say probably a little bit of a mixture of both. Uh, I had never, ever been close to that stage before. Uh, going into that fall, my biggest thing was make the team. Because, you know, like in the fall, we had a little bit more than what the roster size allowed. So, they were gonna, Jay told us, Coach Johnson told us at the first first meeting, he was like, hey, like, this, you see everybody here? Like, some of these people aren't going to be here. And it's your job to go out there and win a job. Nothing's guaranteed. And that's all I could ask for. I, didn't, I wanted to go in there with the opportunity to win a job. And I had a pretty good fall. Uh, so thankfully, I was able to earn a bottom of, on the roster. And uh, going into the spring, I think going through the fall, I meant, I, uh, I think I just got progressively more and more confident knowing that my stuff played at this high of a level, even facing all these great hitters in the inner squads every week. I just gained more and more confidence going into the spring season. Well, I could tell how excited you were to be there because I was down there in the spring for a couple of the scrimmages and a lot of of guys in the bullpen were doing their thing and you were standing over there and my son was a part of a group of like five different kids that went over there and you acknowledged them, you signed autographs, you talked to them, but I, I was, you know, a little bit away, but I could see the big smile on your face and how much you loved engaging with them. And I could, so just from that, I could tell how excited you were to be there to wear that uniform. And so that, that told me a lot just in that moment. So, you know, getting into the season, what's it like pitching that first game in Alex box, wearing that purple and gold? Dude, I was so nervous. Oh my God. We were up like 19 to seven, I think against Maine in the ninth inning. The second game and he tells me Drazier in the game I'm like oh god here we go that's a good close, time 19 to 7 out. is a great time to come in <laughs> yeah it was very that I think I threw my first pitch about 52 feet I spiked the crap out of it and then like all the nerves went away I ended up having a clean one two three inning I got a couple of strikeouts and then just like after that outing it's like just this huge like sigh of relief and I was like hey like welcome to LSU everyone's standing and I struck out the last guy with everybody on their feet it was really cool so being that you had the one, two, three after the spike, did did you and coach have a little fun about the spike? <laughs> yeah, JK was like, nice first pitch there, man. <laughs> He's like, were you nervous? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, you know, unfortunately you did have a tough outing. Uh, I did I did happen to see this one in Minimade Park against Bell. Ah. But I'm not gonna ask you about, you know, the struggle. What I want to ask about is pitching in a big league park, Minute Maid. The Shriner Classic, I mean, just, you know, we're talking about how cool it is at the box, but now here you are in a professional stadium. Like, what's that like? Dude, it was awesome, man. Just running in for the first time. Uh, I mean, we had already been there two days, and I we had had a blast, man. You saw the crowd when we played Texas. There was like 25,000 people there for a college game. It was mm-hmm. unreal. Uh, Jordan hit the walk-off homer on Friday night against Oklahoma. That was insane. That was probably the most fun baseball game I've ever been a part of. Actually, one of. I mean, he he teed off on that thing, man. That was sweet. Uh, And then, yeah, just Sunday, just warming up and then running in and just looking around. You see how big the stadium is. Like, this is your dream. And uh, all that, I mean, it wasn't my – statistically, it looked like my worst outing. But I came in, struck out two guys just ran around our third, went one, two, three in the next inning, and then uh, had a little bit of bad luck. 
in the next inning, we could have turned a double play. We didn't. That would have got me out. He gets a home run. So it's, it wasn't the best outing, obviously, statistically, but just that whole experience, man, I think it, it just helped my confidence continue to grow going into SEC play. Well, one of the things that showed the batters is, you know, I actually, you know, I checked it statistically, but I saw it with the view I had because I was sitting behind first base and had a good view of the wall. Um, if y'all were at the box, y'all would have won that game because uh, y'all's hitters wanted to try to, to go yard and kept hitting that warning track. Cruz did it, Barry did it, and I was like, man, if these guys are anywhere else, but I was like, it shows you what it takes to get it out the, out the park in the big league park for sure. But uh, so you had a four and one record, man, six saves, 1.85 ERA and 39 innings with 52 strikeouts to 15 walks. So amazing the work you had uh, to put in and the route you took, obviously, through this whole journey we've talked about to to being one of the best guys in the SEC coming out of the bullpen. Um, you know, let's talk about that LSU coaching staff. We've been giving props to coach along the way, uh, the coaches that you've had. Um, just how much were they able to help you just continue to elevate your game? Uh, for me, the biggest thing was uh, not only my game, but I think it was mental. And I talked to JK like in the fall and during the season, obviously. He's like, dude, you're 6'10. Like, you throw mid 90s. Like, you shouldn't be scared of anybody that goes up there. He said, your stuff's going to play at any level. And he would always just tell me this, like, drill this confidence in me. And uh, when I would have success, like, Coach Johnson would always tell me, hey, man, hope you're ready tomorrow. We're going to you again. We're going to you again. And just, just continuously building on each success, just I gained more and more confidence, which I think is what helped my stuff play play better. And uh, obviously I had, a, had a very good season individually, but uh, without uh, Coach Johnson and J.K., there's no way I would have been that competed at that high level. Well, and I'm glad you brought up the next day because what I was next thing I was going to go to was the Mississippi State series is where you kind of put yourself in that closer role. Um, yeah. You know, we're sitting here talking about playing in the box, we're talking about playing a minute made man. Uh, you know, Duty Noble is something special when it comes to college yeah, baseball, and you go in there and you get back to back saves. So I mean, you're just talking about what it'd be like to be called upon. You were called upon, and you did your job. Back to back saves in Duty Noble. You know how'd that feel, dude? I mean, that was probably the most fun weekend of my life. That was insane. I think that's where you probably could say I mean, uh, got on the map. Uh, the first night, Friday night, we're down two to one, ninth inning, two outs, nobody on. I'm chilling, playing light catch in case we tie the game. And uh, then we get walk, hit batter, wild pitch, two run singles, and Cruz hits a bomb. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Uh, then we were up going into the bottom ninth, and it was just, I didn't throw one strike in warm ups. Uh, I was just like, breathe, breathe. And then once I got the first pitch in for a strike, and it was just go. And you just block out all the noise. And I had it. One, two, three, nine, next day. Uh, Raisman and I think Riley Cooper and Trent Pittmeyer and Evan Fontenot, all of us had like pitch out of jams in every inning. And I came in for uh, Eric in the eighth with two on and one out. And their best hitter was up, uh, RJ Yeager. I think he was their best hitter. Mm -hmm. uh, and he, I got him to fly out and then I struck out Hancock in the eighth inning with two runners on. And then ninth inning, four or three game, I punched out the side. And that was still, I think, the best individual inning I've ever had in my life. That was just all juiced up. Their whole crowd was going crazy. I think they had like 14,000 or something there. And uh, I was just like, I've never been more in a zone, I think, than I was then. And that was just winning that game and helping my team win the series was just so much fun. And then 
after that game, Jay comes up to me. He was like, "Hey, one of the this is one of the reasons why you're why I think you can be a big leader one day and because you have the ability to go out and do this stuff on back to back nights." And he said, "And I need you tomorrow if, if, it, <laughs> if the situation calls for it again." And I was ready for them again the next day. Thankfully, didn't. Yeah, yeah, I was I was there for it, and uh, the the first to speak on the cruise home run because you had mentioned that. I, I've told everybody who's came on here that was one of the most awkward situations for me because I'm an LSU fan. Um, because I was getting seats from a Mississippi State dad, Cameron James dad, I agreed not to wear purple and gold, so I was wearing a gray hoodie. So you can even see pictures of me and Cruz and Beloso and all them that night wearing the gray. But I'm standing between Greg James, Cameron's dad, and uh, Luke Hancock's dad when Cruz hits the home run. And it was the most awkward feeling because Cruz is my guy and he is the home yeah. run. And I, I don't know how to act. And then my phone starts buzzing and it's George Cruz like, where are you at? And I was like, I'll be there, I'll be there in a minute. And it was great because I went over there and you talked about Eric. And when y'all won, when Eric came over there, listening to him talk about how jacked he got when they were doing the count, because, you know, a lot of a lot yeah. of uh, opposing crowds did that. But that was where it got the loudest, because like you talked about, 14,000. Yeah. And what they didn't get was every time they did that, he just got more fired up. So we're just, yeah. And so to see him do that and then you come in and close the door. And that was a game, like you said, I mean, it was two to one. It was looking like it might not go y'all's way. And it just showed really the resiliency of, of LSU as a whole. And then for you to come in there and close it off and uh, then the next day come back and, uh, you know, do it again. So uh, the season had high expectations. We know uh, LSU, uh, it, you know, it is Omaha. That is the expectation. Um, I was at regionals, got to see you. Um, first saw the save against Kennesaw State, but your next outing, you were called upon to do a, a much bigger task, one than, that you're not used to, um, and you obviously handled that. Um, you know, Talk about what it's like to come in early in an elimination game where you know that you gotta, you know, you're going to have to put some innings in. You're going to have to put the team on your back. You know, what's it like to come in in that role versus closing and know that you got to give your team as many innings as you can? Yeah. First of all, the Kennesaw State game, that was game. I'm sorry, that was the most exciting game. <laughs> that was insane. If I'm not mistaken, you had to get out Hatcher to close that game, didn't you? No, he was on deck. I was – Oh, okay. Jay came out and visited because they had – he was the time run. He was on deck. He was like, you better get this guy out. Gotcha. <laughs> so Hatcher obviously killed us that whole game. But uh, the next day, uh, what was it, Southern Miss? We were down four in the ninth inning and we tied it. And then I pitched the tenth and – got a shutdown inning uh and then we ended up walking them off after that but then yeah two days later in that game seven against Southern Miss uh Jay had actually because Jonathan had called me the night before uh, and he was like hey man like as soon as there's trouble we're going to you no matter what I don't care what inning it is he was like you need to be ready I was like, awesome Announce it. And, uh, so he called me in the I got sitting down in the bullpen right after they hit the leadoff home run to start the game so like the first pitch of the game he's like so, uh, Mikhail battled and, uh, coach said it was, thought it was time to make the switch when I came in the game. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't have my best stuff that game. It's a game I think about a lot. Uh, I think I had three walks, something I really pride myself on is throwing strikes, but uh, I, I think I allowed one run in three innings, uh, worked out of two second and third jams and back-to-back innings to strand runners, um, and then got through the sixth. And when I left, we were up four to three. And uh, coach was like, hey, like, that's it. Like, thank you. Like, you gave us everything you got. But 
today I always think about it, man. I just wish I'd have been like, hey, like, I, I can give you more. I can give you more. But uh, Daniel, you can confirm. You can confirm. I texted him. I didn't. I didn't think it was time for you to come out. I did. I didn't. He told me that in my exit meeting. He said that was probably his biggest regret was taking me out of that game. And I was like. And, and we and it made we talk, sense. I mean, that was my longest outing of the year. Uh, yeah, I was at six, 58 pitches or something. In hindsight, you know, it's always easy. But like, I mean, the guys that are, that were coming in, whether you're talking about Vetmar Rizman, you know, you trust in those guys just like he yeah. does. And you know, it just it it happened the way it did. And you know, we asked Eric, you know, what happened, and he said, really, that Southern Miss team could hit. You know, people didn't give them enough credit. He still, and I think you would agree with this. And it, and it, and it always sounds bad when you're the losing team, but. Um, felt like y'all were the better team. You just didn't, yeah. you know, you just didn't close the door on them. Um, he 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 went as far as to say that he thought that it was undoubtedly going to be you guys and Ole Miss for a rematch. And yeah, and so um, I hate that it didn't happen. Um, but it leads me to talk about coming into the draft. Um, you know, I, I follow you on social media. I've seen some posts or whatever. You know, LSU has all this talent coming in. And you have an opportunity to come back. So, um, you know, first let me ask you, where were you at on draft day as that comes upon us? Uh, Yeah, I was at home. I had actually talked to – Jay came and talked to me in the Cape and had breakfast with me. Wes Johnson, the new pitching coach, came up to the Cape, had breakfast with me and Grant Taylor. Like He always said, like, I want you to be a pro. I want you to go chase your dreams. But – if the situation comes back where you think that you'll have a better opportunity if you come back to school, obviously you're going to, you're going to close again next year. You'll have your job. You're going to uh, be my guy. One of my guys out of the bullpen again. Uh, he said, just know that no matter what you do, uh, I'll always love you and I'll support your decision. So I'm so grateful to him for that. So you obviously yeah. know I asked that because when you get picked in the 12th round, you, I mean, you have a hard decision because of what you just said. I mean, yeah. They, they are preseason ranked number one for a reason. They are legit. And like you just said, you could be the closer on that team. So, I mean, just how hard is it? I know it's it's every kid's dream. Like you said, you want to be a professional baseball player, but you know that you can, you know, that you can yeah. still do that. But you can get maybe a national championship along the way. So, I mean, just how hard was that decision? Look, look, let, me, let me answer it for you. Not hard at all. I, I I read the post. I, I I read what you wrote, and it was very heartfelt. But this is not going to be a popular take. We all know what you were going to do. No, uh, you didn't follow him close enough, Daniel, because that was his I, second I post. That was I, his second post. I I, 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 I know I know. I've, I've heard people say it all the time. They say I'm coming back, or I'm not coming back, and then they go wishwashy. But in reality, we all know. Poor, poor yeah. Leah Van, who covers LSU, she she was writing about how he was coming oh back and how, and she was excited. And then the next day, she goes, "Never mind." <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, no, that was not an easy decision. Actually, I told. I feel so bad because I told Coach Johnson I was going to come back uh, the day before. So that tells you anything. Uh, and then the next day, uh, he called me. He's just making sure everything's good. Like, no, and obviously we're not out of the water yet. But I told him, like, I didn't know that you could sign for over slot on the third day of the draft. I thought it was one set number you had to sign for. And obviously, when you go into the draft, you have a set number that you're going to sign for. Or And if you don't get that number, you're going to go to school. And I, uh, I communicated with Coach Johnson that, that third day. I was like, hey, like, if I don't get this, then I'm coming back 100%. Like, I didn't know. I'm sorry that the door is still open, but I had to be open and honest with you. And he, man, he understood it. So he took it so well. 
Uh, and even when I got drafted, he called me, congratulated me, told me he was proud of me, told me I'm always welcome back at school to go work out and everything. And I'll always be appreciative of him. He's definitely the best coach I've ever had. And I'll always be grateful for him. Yeah, no doubt. And man, I, as an LSU fan, I'm appreciative of what you did. And like Daniel said, man, when you when you get the opportunity, ain't no one ever going to bat an eye that you that you jumped yeah. on it. So um, with that, man, you've had great success already. Um, you know, your first outing, you do a scoreless inning, you know, do, doing what you yeah. do best and uh, promoted up to St. Lucie. Um, you know, I see that y'all got a big game against Florida uh, yeah. for the Florida State League Championship tomorrow night at Clover Park. But I got to ask yes, first because I see, you know, I talk about following social media. I seen you, seen you messaging Kay Doty. You <laughs> yeah. Know, um, are you hoping to get an opportunity in that game to go against, against your yes. teammate? Of course. Of course. <laughs> yes. Cade was my roommate in college. So uh, once, as soon as they won, so we played them in the finals, we went there for game one uh, yesterday. And we traveled up there. What day was that? Saturday. We traveled up on Saturday. Me and Cade uh, went out, got some dinner, and watched the LSU game together and hung out. It's just like it was just great to see him. This next me, it was me, Cade, and uh, Blade Tidwell. He's, he's been on the show. Blade's my good buddy. Uh, me and him hang out all the time here. I see he got drafted by the as well. So me and my best friend here. Me and him do everything together here. And uh, then yeah, we won uh, last night. We actually had to go ahead to run Homer in the ninth inning to win the game. Uh, and then tomorrow, I'm sure I'll be out of the bullpen early. <laughs> I doubt it'll look as similar to the Southern Miss game, but I'll definitely be ready to go. And hopefully, I'll get the opportunity to face Kate because I faced Barry twice already this year when we faced Jupiter. And first time I got him pop out, second time he hit a 103 mile an hour line drive right at the center fielder. So we got him out, mm-hmm. but it was the hardest hit ball I've allowed in Pro Bowl so far. That's got that's got to be the most fun thing. I mean, your yeah. ex teammates, and then you get to go against each other, and and you know, good good fun competition for bragging rights, man. And so, like yeah. that's cool. And I think I remember seeing the seeing the Barry thing. Well, I hope obviously y'all win because Kay's not on the show, so I ain't got to say that exactly. hey, I'm rooting for King Kay. But I, I hope y'all win, and man, I, I hope I see that y'all uh, got the opportunity to face each other, and we'll we'll see if y'all do, and see who gets the bragging rights. But man, y'all go yeah. take care of business tomorrow. Yes, sir. Where where's tomorrow's game in Dunedin or uh, no it's in St. Lucie here we played game one in Dunedin uh, Kate actually hit a home run in game one dead center he had a two run home run. I love that they still call him King K too he's yeah, it, it followed hilarious. with him yeah he's the man I love Kate he's one of my best friends to this day well Paul man it's it's been a great episode dude and we got to end this sure. the right way the, the same way we end with all of our guests you ready to play a game Yes, sir. All right. Game is very simple. It's called this or that. I give right. you two options. You choose one of the two options. You just got to be decisive. Can't say both. Can't say neither. You got to pick one. All right. All right. Here we go. Softball question to start. Um, the original question was, would you rather have pizza or tacos? But, I mean, I guess I got to throw Olive Garden in there. Would you rather have Olive Garden or would you rather have tacos? Olive Garden. Sure, for sure, for sure. What? Gotta wrap my people. Yeah. What? What is the best thing on the Olive Garden menu? Is it? Is it still like everyone goes there for breadsticks, or is it like there's <laughs> so like are we missing something secret like that only the employees know about? Oh, I think no. Everything they order pretty much everything. Obviously, they're always like, "Hey, where are the breadsticks?" As soon as you walk up to their table, but. 
uh, for me, I always get the shrimp Alfredo. It's money to me. I love it. It's my favorite thing to get there. Who has better hair flow, you or Dylan Cruz? I'm gonna say me, of course. I gotta say me. <laughs> gotta gotta bet on yourself, right? He's got good hair, though. He does. He does. Um, who is scarier to face, Dylan Cruz or K Beloso? No, K Doty or K Doty. Sorry, Cruz. Doty's scary too, though. But Cruz, he hits the ball so hard. So who's scarier, Cruz? K K, K Doty or Jacob oh. Barry? Barry. Who's the most intimidating and scariest guy? Is it is it Dylan Cruz over Jacob Barry? You said I can't say both, man. That's difficult. Nope. Ah. I mean, you were really adamant about Cruz. Like, I didn't even get the second part of the question. You thought I, I was asking about Dylan. Like that dude. <laughs> no, yeah. He, he's in your head. Like <laughs> yeah, he, <I> think <laughs> no, he he's unbelievable. No, he's, I, I got to say, Dylan, I mean, he's literally the best baseball player Paul, I've ever seen. Paul, having him on the on the show and all he could talk about was how he needed to improve. And, we're re, you know, we read off his stats just like we did you. And, you know, he was obviously freshman player of the year. And all he could talk about was how he needed to improve. And it was like, this yeah. guy, man, like, and he's so humble. And he did it, too. He won the SEC player of the year second year. He'll probably win the Golden Spikes next year. Would you rather go to the beach or the lake? Lake. Would you rather watch a baseball movie or a non-baseball movie? Baseball movie. What is your favorite movie of all time? Uh, For Love of the Game. Nice. Is that your favorite baseball movie and your favorite movie? Or Yeah. Okay. It's a good one. Clear the mechanism, man. Got to. Yeah, I actually nope. tell myself that a lot. No, no complaints here. Would you rather go to any concert or any sporting event? Any sporting event. What sporting event is on your bucket list? What's the one thing that you got to do? Uh, go watch the Tigers win the national championship in Omaha. Ooh. All right. So he's going to get it crossed off this year. I heard that. Let's go. Oh, wow. I don't know go. if I'll be able to get this year. Hopefully, I'm, <laughs> hopefully I won't be able to go, but uh, hopefully sometime in the future. I, well, that's something I definitely want to do, though. Given the trajectory over my 38 years on this earth, I'm pretty sure LSU is going to win it again. <laughs> yeah, I'd sure. like to think so. Pro- probably multiple times, or at least, at the very least, they're going to be there and have the opportunity. Paul, I can actually, like, look, Daniel will give me credit. People don't like me because I'm very arrogant, smug, and and (laughs) proud, and and brag on myself. These guys will tell you, I loved when I went and found the post of preseason picking Ole Miss before last year to win it all. And so, go ahead. I told them, I told D1 Baseball, Spitting Seeds Podcast, all of them, to put me down for LSU. Just just go ahead and do it. I'm going to do it back to back. You put me down for that, too. But what I did, what's funny is when they asked me to do my rankings um, with with Randy, the one who's not here, we both compared our rankings, and he had LSU at one, and I had LSU at two. He said, "Why you got LSU at two? I said, "Number one's a curse." So I had Tennessee there because he's a Tennessee <laughs> guy. So I was like, "I hope LSU finishes the season at number two because that number one beside it since 1999 has been a problem." Yes, it has. 
would you rather be a hero or a villain? Hero, for sure. Hero. Who's your favorite hero? Jesus. Ooh. Jesus. He's the first one and he has now won this. I'm I'm retiring the question, Daniel. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna not allow Jesus because nobody like, who beats <laughs> Jesus. Like, uh, other so, than Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, who 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 is second? Not not a close second to Jesus. Uh, like superhero. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, Iron Man's my favorite superhero. I mean, you can I tell you what, when when people say their mom or their dad, that's always a, an amazing answer too. Like you can't argue that one either. That's no different than the Jesus thing. If somebody says their mom or dad, hey, hey, that that's what that's what's up. Yeah. All right. Last question before we let you bounce, man. Would you rather have massive success on accident or modest success on purpose? I'm going to say probably modest success on purpose because that, for me, on my inside, I'll know I worked for everything that I could get, and I don't want to be lucky. I want to work for everything that I get, and I don't want stuff to just be handed to me. So I'm going to say uh, modest on purpose. I, I can respect that decision, but – our our one of our co-hosts randy will, will would phrase this question in a different way and if and he would say you know i could give you 80 million dollars or you can work hard and earn 20 million dollars what would you do i'm taking the 80 million dollars well so that's massive success on accident my friend yeah <laughs> no because 20 million dollars is still massive success it ain't 80 million dollars massive success okay that's a tough question when you phrase it like that then yes i would rather have 80 million dollars that's an interesting way of saying yeah it's there's no right or wrong man that's that's part of the game we we like to throw curveballs at you we really used to mess people up the question used to be and we changed them all it used to be would you rather be the first pick in the draft um, but you had to cut loose all your friends or be the last pick in the draft and you could keep your friends. What do you think about that one? That's a really tough. You should ask Bill in that question if you ever get him back on. <laughs> we did ask him that question. He said keep his friends. Yeah, I think that's what I would say. I think I would have to keep that, That's, that's what I you would have to say because your friends are going to listen and they're going to know that you'd cut them loose if you said it. <laughs> well, yeah, you, but you, you were... probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for your friends. Oh. So you got to get that. Come on, come on, Paul. You're a lot smart. of my friends you're, you're, don't think I'd be here. You're smart. You're a smart dude, man. Like <laughs> you were in the draft. You know the difference between the first pick and the last pick. Oh yeah, trust me, I do. I, I know the difference would, between Blade and, and me. Look, man. Hey, Jim's been my friend forever. But if some if somebody offered me that deal, I would I would peace out <laughs> with him real quick and 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 not not be sad about it. <laughs> I, I kid. I, I, I love my friends. I'm a friend guy, so I probably picked that way. But Paul, man, anything you want to plug or promote before you get out of here? Oh, uh, no. I just want to thank you guys for the opportunity to come on and uh, share my story. You guys are doing great things. Uh, everyone I've talked to that's been on this podcast has been spoken very highly of you guys and recommended it. So I've always wanted to get on here. And I just want to thank you guys for the opportunity. Well, we we appreciate you coming on another, you know, great interview another you know obviously stud that's uh out there we're glad we got your story and we're glad we were able to share it with everybody but since you don't want to plug yourself i'm going to do it for you 
If you want to know what Paul Gervais is up to, all you got to do, pop your phone open, go on over to Instagram at Paul underscore Gervais. Or if you want to see what the St. Lucie Mets are doing, you want to see him doing his thing on the bump, go over to Instagram at St. Lucie Mets. And tomorrow night, 6-10, Florida State League Championship, Dunedin Blue Jays coming to your home. You know, I, I'm predicting here. I'm predicting it to be a close game, but I'm predicting that the St. Lucie Mets are going to pull be victorious. I'm going to say it's going to be a three-to-one game. There you want. I'll take it. Blades on the mound tomorrow. So oh, yeah. that really game. makes me feel good about it. We got a good chance to win. Three to one. That's what you got. That's what you've heard here. Paul, my man, we appreciate you. If there's anything we can do for you along your journey, please reach out to us and we'd love to have you back on. For sure. Thank you guys so much. Absolutely. That's Paul's your face, everybody. If you like hearing Paul's story or you just like hearing us average Joe's talk X's and O's. Please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. We'll be back next time. we got episode 15 coming at you, and we are going to continue the baseball trend. We're bringing on Ole Miss baseball star and national champion Hunter Elliott. He'll be joining us. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We out.